We just need like six months worth of Patreon and we can get one microphone. Okay, I did. Perfect. I did learn today we, uh, from my mother, we inherited a new chair. Oh, so that'll be good. going. So I only have to buy one more chair for in here. Oh my gosh! So we're gonna be rocking, or everybody's gonna have a nice. Comfy we're all gonna chair. be comfy. <laughs> yes. I'll be able to like lean back and actually lean just roll back. a chair out of the way if I have to go take a piss. Where did she uh, find? Where did she acquire the chair? Um, it's it's the old chair from my dad's business. Apparently, they don't want it anymore. Excellent. And the they, throne. Yes, and they bought it for my <laughs> grandma before she passed. Oh, it's and, haunted. Yeah, apparently. Even well, then, better. That, then we definitely need it. And uh, yeah, she's just like, you want, I don't know why she's getting rid of it. I really don't. She just asked if I want it. And I said, yeah, we need fucking chairs down yeah. here in our dungeon. Hell yeah, it's chair time, baby. <laughs> and I can't wait to put up my my other comforter wall to our right here. Got to get yeah. that up there. <laughs> it, eventually, we're going to have a great little blanket fort down here. <laughs> yes. If only we could like... Figure out a way to nail the ceiling up so no foot stomps get up there, but... Ooh. Ooh. Listen, man, we got we got all this here. We got these boards we can nail into. We're fine. Yeah, but do you think that if you put <clears> something <throat> over that... I don't know if that would stop footsteps, though. It might muffle it a bit. It's true. If we or, shove some or, foam up there and yeah, some we can panels just, over it. We can just get some insulation, shove it up there, put a blanket over it. Yeah. I think, staple it into the boards. I think we should just get a blow dart gun. Just shoot them all. Put them all to sleep for like yeah. two hours. I yeah. mean, that'd be great. <laughs> we'll be good yeah, to go. That'd be good. Make <laughs> them go sleep, sleep for an hour. Yes. Make them, uh, make them a, a special coffee every Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that reminds me because of uh, uh, when I was playing New Vegas, that one where you go to the Cannibal Society. Yes. And they put some uh, poison sleepy drugs in their special <laughs> wine. Yeah. That was great. And I, it's like you mix up the recipe. So it tastes like human, but mm. it's actually cow. Mm. That game is pretty fucking funny, actually. Yes. Oh, man. It's way better than three or four, <laughs> I think. Story-wise, yeah, for sure. And gameplay-wise and fun-wise. You should... Okay, so I've been playing it modded to shit, right? Oh, yeah. Because when you play just the base game, it's very dated for what you see now. Absolutely. And uh, when you compare... Those graphics to like say Fallout 4, it's like oh man, it's rough. It's, it's tough to look difference. at. It's like when I tried to play Morrowind after Fallout Ooh. 3 came out, and I was like, ooh. You have you have to be able to mod the shit out of that, right? I think so. I I know they've they've been working on a mod for like six years to put Morrowind in Skyrim graphics. Really? So that would be rad if that ever happened. Did I tell you? When I got that new laptop, because it's a uh, 144 hertz or whatever, yeah. So I booted up Skyrim. Oh yeah. And that that opening scene where you're riding the horses, and all of a sudden the horses are like twirling and fucking <laughs> doing somersaults, like you're riding in the cart and you're spinning, and it's like makes you Ugh, sick. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with it? And it's like, oh, you have to lock your frame rate yep. down to 60. Because some reason the game freaks the fuck out if it's too high. Yeah. It's I'm just pretty like... sure there's a setting on there to play it at like 144, though. Oh, really? I don't think you have to lock it at <laughs> 60, but yes, otherwise it'll just go nuts. The frames will just go crazy. Well, what I did was I set it down, got to the execution spot, got my character going, and then boosted it back up and it was fine. Oh, perfect. It's just like for some reason the horse carriage hates... 
it's really funny because you're going down and you can see the carriages behind you. The horse's head is like extend like 400 <laughs> feet. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. It's pretty funny to look at, but when you actually want to play the fucking game, it's right. really obnoxious. That's frustrating as all get out. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, the modding, uh, modding those games has been pretty... Uh, a very interesting learning experience, I'll say that much. Yeah, you gotta mess around with files and drag shit into places. And... A lot of uh, game crashes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Or, like, the game turns black, or it's just... Oh, yeah. But uh, it, it looks great after you do it. Certainly. Ta- Certainly. Hats off to those people who'd spend all that time doing that Especially shit. Especially the one who made the Randy Savage uh, mod for Skyrim. You should boot that up and try that. <clears throat> Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're all great. <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me this week is Jordan. Oh, hello. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I am doing fan-fucking-tastic, buddy. Did you do anything fun this week? Uh, yes, actually. Well, tell me, then. <laughs> I mean, me and Amy went to uh, Matt's bar, had some delicious mm. burgers last night, and then today went to a... Uh, Little local place in Buffalo, Minnesota, where they their specialty is Detroit style pizza. It was delicious. Look. Now is that like a flatbread pizza? Uh no, it's like the square deep dish. Oh. Oh, that shit was good. Okay. So we have soda style, yep. which is flat crust squares, but they took it into deep dish squares. Yeah, so like you know how little Caesars does their like deep deep dish and it's mm-hmm. like the rectangle? Yeah. That's the that's Detroit style pizza, just okay. like a thick rectangle. And oh. you heard it here first. Detroit style pizza <laughs> is Little Caesars. The first time I've ever even heard of goddamn Detroit style. Well, pizza. no, this place was cool. It's like a roadhouse, like road, you know, house. small town roadhouse bar place, but with just bomb ass food and. That's the best kind. Yeah, no, it was good. Like. I was. Expect- I mean, the only downfall of this week was having to evacuate our apartment at four in the morning on New Year's Day because the unoccupied unit next to us, like the exhaust fan on the hood over the stove, overheated and started on fire. <laughs> oh, I thought you were at the Drake building. No, well, no, I, I it, it you- wasn't that extreme of a fire, <laughs> but no, you- our hallways were filled with smoke Ugh. and that shit was fucking horrible. I thought yeah. you were going to evacuate because of potential war with Iran. I thought that's mm. what you were worried about, so you got the hell out of there. We're no, on the brink. It- <laughs> can you still be drafted, Jordan? Yeah. Okay. All of us can. I, I'm i I'm too You're old. You're young enough. Am I? 34? You're under 35, bud. Okay, alright. All they need is bodies for cannon fodder. <laughs> I mean, I don't that's know. That's all a draft that- is. I don't know if it'll be that serious of a war, but... You will uh, do what I say. <laughs> what I say. All right. All right. All right. All right. Good job, Jordan. Good job. Uh, Cody, soon to be drafted. You will be a disposable <laughs> hero, much like Metallica sang about. Hell yeah. Let us hear about what you did this week. Um... Let's see, what did I do? I didn't, uh, I, I guess we didn't talk about New Year's, did we? I didn't do shit for New Year's. No. Uh, yeah. I I was thinking about it. I'm like, going out and drinking all night and celebrating and drinking shitty champagne. I was like, this sounds terrible. Yeah. So I stayed in and watched Hitchcock movies, which there, was there uh, you go. fantastic. There you go. Today, uh, <laughs> like I told you guys, I was a little delayed because I got a new couch upstairs and in my room, and you can about imagine... 
um, the struggle we got to get inside the house. So that sure. was, uh, <laughs> did you have to pop the doors off? Yeah, that was, uh, Oh my God, I'm tired. I can tell you that I'm exhausted. Oh, but, yeah. uh, oh, and man. going up that lame ass, tiny ass staircase. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then you get it all the way up there, uh, and they sent one piece oh. without the legs. Oh, so God I'm like, damn fucking it. son of a bitch. But you know what? It, you can still sit on it. It's fine. When's the leg coming? I don't, I'll have to go and request for my missing goddamn legs. Uh. <laughs> like, like, because it's a sectional, you know, they had the big square uh, legs. Yes, the big and peg legs. One of them, they gave me the little tiny uh, plastic ones you see on, like, oh, really cheap uh-huh. couches. And I'm like, like Ikea couches? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you can't, you because the big ones are good, you know, six inches. Yeah. And the little peg ones are, like, two inches. Yep. Like, you can't just have a couch hovering in middle. Nope, of it nope, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Man, I I will build you a leg for that couch. What do you? It can't you, you be that no, hard. You ain't no Ron Swan. It, can, it can't be that hard. You get a six inch chunk of uh, four by four and kind of shave that down to a little taper, sand it smooth, and finish it. I think what you should do is concrete the ceiling up here. Yeah, hey man, let's creed it up. We can do that. So that way we can have the hose from fall. the pump truck. Come in through that little window. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I'd be terrified if that fell and oh just killed God. us all. It would just bring the whole floor with yeah. it. <laughs> I've watched Sp- the Spider-Man movie. I've seen what happens when concrete falls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, shit. That I guess that'll do it for everybody here. Let's uh, let's bop into the episode. Should Why don't do you it? tell me everything it's about? All right. So we're uh, picking up. Basically, Ponzi um, had just gotten out of prison in Montreal, and that's essentially where we're picking up from. Um, we got this episode's going to be more wacky adventures, and then part three will be when we finally get into the uh, the I don't know what coup de gras, I don't know what you call it, where he finally makes all his money. So uh, the hors d'oeuvres, yes, the main entree. This one is just <laughs> all I can say is about this episode is. It seems like a clown car up until that point, I thought so. Well, perfect. <laughs> now, after Ponzi's release from prison, he obviously needed to make some money before he could head back to America. So what he ended up doing was staying with a friend of his for a while and working some odd jobs to earn the funds necessary for his departure. Mm. Now, at this point, it had been about 17 days since he had gotten out of prison when he boarded the train headed for the United States. But trouble was about to follow him. Is it because in 17 days he didn't have enough money to really set himself up in the U.S.? Or um, it's it's a little uh, trickier than that, Jordan. Oh, okay, coming from Canada, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm... I have five Canadian dollars. What's that in real money? <laughs> That's like nothing. Six, I have five t- kid buffalo. Six nickels. loonies and two toonies, there, bud. <laughs> So on that train with Ponzi was five other Italian immigrants fresh from Italy. They spoke no English and had none of the proper immigration paperwork. So when the train approached the New York border, U.S. Customs Inspector W.H. Stevenson boarded the train and began to question Ponzi about his five Italian companions. Obviously, Ponzi was telling Stevenson that he just ran into an old schoolmate at the train depot in Montreal, and his schoolmate 
asked him to look after these men. Hey, look after these dudes for a minute, huh? <laughs> we babysit these Italians for me, please? Listen, they're grown-ass men who can take care of themselves, but they they need someone like you. You got to think about it in the terms, though, Jordan. They don't speak any English or anything, so oh. an Italian um, immigrant who does speak English is trying to help them get uh, set up. But so so yeah, they're okay. going to be like, a bibbidi bobbidi boo He's going to be like, if they want to know where they can get him some chicken parmesan. A I Dominic Dicoco. <laughs> I just keep thinking about, like, uh, crime and sports and uh, small town murderies. Like, I just imagine these Italian guys, like, give me your papers, and they're just, like, dropping pasta all over the place, <laughs> reaching in their pockets, they just marinara so, and shit. so much spaghetti in their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ponzi made sure to tell him um, there was no money involved, and he <laughs> was simply just doing a favor for an old pal out of the generosity of his own heart. What he didn't mention to Stevenson was that his old schoolmate was Antonio Salviati, the wanted man who had stolen the money from a customer while working at Banco Zerosi. We talked about oh, in part one, oh, okay, the 900 and whatever dollars. So, so his old pal is the is, is our <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yeah, he's wanted. <laughs> God. But Stevenson wasn't buying a single ounce of Ponzi's story and would have the six men arrested. Ponzi was facing the worst charge of smuggling aliens into the United States. Listen, that's why you gotta build that wall. I guess. He's a coyote. <laughs> They're headed from Montreal. Watch out. <laughs> so Ponzi would have to spend the next two months in a Pittsburgh, New York jail waiting for his court date. Pittsburgh, with- New York? Apparently. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, I, I didn't I know don't that know. town existed. Well, I, East Coast, they just kind of stack just them up. Recycle, yeah, I, yeah. Say, I, I know there is New York City, Buffalo, New York, and uh, Niagara Falls. I those would, are the three. That, that's it. That's <laughs> all there is in that state. Oh, the Hamptons too. All right, uh, all right. yes, where your favorite uh, uh, USA show takes place. Yeah, Royal Pains. Royal Pains. <laughs> <laughs> now. His bail was set at a thousand dollars, but obviously he had he could not pay that at this no. point. Now Ponzi was obviously pleading his innocence and was just trying to do the humane thing by helping out his countrymen. The prosecutor told him that if he pleaded guilty, he would face no worse than a fifty dollar fine nice. or spend a month in jail. I now, think he's being lied to. Uh, you're on to something here. <laughs> now, Ponzi was afraid if he tried to make a plea of not guilty, it could end up much worse. Yeah. So Ponzi did what the prosecutor suggested, but the judge seemed to have a different agenda. Mm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the judge An anti-Italian <laughs> agenda, probably. Probably. Listen, they don't want none of that marinara. They don't want that tortellini. <laughs> Keep it in your pockets. Minestrone, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's the worst soup there is. What What would it's... be the Italian's arch nemesis? Um, like, what would he have to be? The Germans. The yeah. Germans? Okay. Yeah. My maybe, people. Maybe he's a German judge then. Yeah, historically it would be. The Gaelics. He always says spatzel greater than pasta. That's what he always says. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's true. Spätzle. Spätzle. It is very delicious. It's very hard to make, though. Braunschweiger is sehr gut. I like Braunschweiger it's and onion a, a lot. 
I haven't Sehr schlecht. I haven't had it in so long. My when my grandpa was alive, oh, he used to get it all the time. I fucking love it. And it has it's a, so good. It has it's a so rich. Very unique uh, <laughs> texture. Definitely, it's but, like yeah. a buttery loaf of goodness. <laughs> yep, it's like German fog. York Brewing in St. Paul, like up on the east side by Metro State, mm. they do a uh, Braunschweiger. It's from a local like butcher or meat house or whatever. Oh, is God. it okay? Is it just cow liver? Yes, it's just cow liver and okay. spices. It's okay. so goddamn good. I need to try that shit again. But anyway, the judge sentenced Ponzi to spend two years in a federal prison and a five hundred dollar fine. Mm. To make matters worse, the five undocumented Italian men actually testified as witnesses and then were released afterwards. It, so, wait, oh, back into Canada or into the U.S.? I, I'm guessing they took it back to Canada. Okay. I don't know. but If they were, like, released free in the U.S., <laughs> that would be ridiculous. <laughs> How did they testify? Did they just, like, point a spaghetti noodle they at did. him? He they, did it. He did they it. They threw meatballs in whoever it hit. The dryer linguine speaks. <laughs> <laughs> so Ponzi would then be extradited to Atlanta to serve as time. Oh, fucking hot land. <laughs> but at least the U.S. Marshals who were transporting him treated him very well. They would stop a few times on the way down to enjoy meals at what Ponzi would say were very nice restaurants. Mm-hmm. And w- this is the Olive Garden. <laughs> it's a very authentic. When you're here, you're family. When, That's uh, true. I wonder when the Olive Garden started. Right after Ponzi got away <laughs> yeah. from these marshals. <laughs> Listen, man, you can't hate on Olive Garden. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you it's can. Gutter. <laughs> it's gutter. Like, Shut up, Adam. It's gutter to your food. <laughs> it's on the level of Applebee's. Yes. I don't know. That's well, America's Bar and Grill. Listen, we, we should I, ask, do you actually like Applebee's that much, Jordan? Man, I wouldn't say I... <laughs> for what it is, like when they run specials, it's a bargain. Like right now, it's twelve ninety nine for all you can eat, like riblets and boneless wings. I'm sorry. Like... It's a, it's, a, it, okay. it's a lot of food for a bargain. No, that's true. And you can put wrap some in napkins, put it in your pockets for later. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to have Applebee's or anything, but I mean, when they have deals like that and like the dollar drinks of the month or whatever, like when you're here, it, you're family. Yeah, it's, yeah, see, it's not great, but you know what? It'll do. It does. Mm, okay. All Amy right. Fox I, MN hey. is eating for two. <laughs> She needs all of the riblets we can You're at twelve dollars. Right. I could see Jordan like stitching Ziploc bags into his pockets with little ice <laughs> Listen, boxes man. around him, so he can just put it in there. <laughs> I will get those hottest boneless wings and put them in there. I don't even like boneless wings, but I'll take them. Man, they're good little protein nuggets. I like little boneless. Wings. <laughs> I love I love boneless. Me too. I'm I'm a I'm an adult, and I don't eat chicken nuggets. Well, I, that, I got that, no problem with it. I got no shame I pretend, I That's per- a lie. I eat McDonald's chicken nuggets <laughs> all the fucking time. Gross. At least get Applebee's, not yeah. McDonald's. Come on. No, if I'm getting any kind of wing, it's got to have that bone in it. Mm, okay. Do you eat the bone, too, or no? Well, no, I just... <laughs> I thought you needed the calcium. I, I don't. I figured you just, like, collected the bones and made, like, a buffalo wing fucking uh stock or something out of them yeah <laughs> well now i might fish nuts <laughs> so anyway when they reached atlanta the u.s marshals had grown so fond of Pon- ponzi 
they literally stopped at a bar to have some drinks before finally reaching the penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are just good old boys. Like, they oh, just, fuck yeah. Like, you know what, fella? You're not so bad. Let's nah. let's get you in here. If I'm ever in federal custody, those are the marshals I want <laughs> escorting me. I could charm them into going to have a shot of whiskey. Sure. Functioning alcoholics, probably. You know what's funny, actually? I was watching, uh, it's a 1962 film called Carnival of Souls, right? It's free on YouTube. All right. And uh, in the movie, the guy, the neighbor's like hitting on the main character or whatever. He brings a coffee in the morning. He pulls his little flask out and is like pouring liquor in it. <laughs> and he's basically like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, my employers are okay with it because it keeps me a happy worker when I'm drinking before work. Oh, <laughs> Oh, it was a different time period right a there. A better time period. <laughs> yes. A better time. <laughs> He's like, don't worry about it. The employees are, this keeps me happy, so they don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary at this time was less than a decade old. And a lot of people would say it was far more similar to a hotel than it was a dungeon. Wow. Ponzi said... Since it had to be a cage, it might as well be a gilded cage. Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's like quippy, man. He's got oh, him, man. dude. He's got he, all the He's energy. got that Italian charm. <laughs> he's got that eight point five million dollar wit. <laughs> as like before, Ponzi would receive his first job as working as the clerk for the prison laundry. Oh, oh a six pairs of pants? <laughs> That's a too many. You should not have that. Why does the laundry need a clerk? That's what I was. Yeah, wondering. that's I don't kind know. of a good point. You just fold laundry. What do you? I don't know. Yeah, what kind of what kind of <laughs> desk job is there for a laundry? Know. I don't know. When they found out he was bilingual, he would be transferred to the mail, mail clerk's office and worked for the prison record keeper A.C. Adderhold. Yeah, that sounds like an old school name. <laughs> yeah. Who would later state what a smooth, smart, and clever man Ponzi was, who kept his books error-free. The only knock Adderhold had against Ponzi was his... Obsession for planning financial coups. <laughs> wow. Seems to be a reoccurring theme with this guy. No, really? He, he keeps <laughs> planning these Ponzi schemes. <laughs> He just wants to make something of himself. Come on. <laughs> now, Ponzi's time in here wasn't all cannolis and marinara sauce. <laughs> there was some capicola. Maybe a tiramisu. <laughs> he had to perform one particular task he did not enjoy at first, and that was translating incoming and outgoing letters for a doe-faced doe Sicilian mobster named Ignazio the Wolf Lupo. Wow. Now, Lupo... Now, that's a spaghetti slinger. (laughs) Yes. I know. This man, he might be uh, lasagna quality. He Mm. might be. Mm. Every time I see Sicilian, all I can think about is sausages. I don't Mm. know. Like, you know, pepperoni. Yeah. I mean, that's true. (laughs) Anything that hangs hangs over a deli counter. Yes. Remember that if you go into Jimmy John's and that fucker has, like, all the meats hanging around his face and he's, like, giving a thumbs yeah, up? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Screw you, Jimmy John. <laughs> now, Lupo had fled Italy in 1898 to avoid arrest for the murder of a customer in his dry goods store. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> He tried to steal some gabagool. I don't know. How many murders are there in a dry goods store? Jesus At least Christ. one, Cody. Oh I'm guessing one. more in in Italy. <laughs> when Lupo was in the United States, he was running an importing business, which was just a front, obviously. Of course. Lupo 
was a was the fearsome boss of a mafia group known as the Black Hand, which is kind of eerie. And yeah. them, don't they name all sorts of shit the Black ha- Black Hand? Definitely. Maybe it was less passe at this time. I guess. Which uh, he was definitely not shy about committing a little extortion or murder. Mm. Lupo. <laughs> But George, just a little murder, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, it's called business for a reason here. <laughs> Lupo was most famous for being suspected in ordering the murder of New York Police Lieutenant Giuseppe Petrosino, who was a police officer going hard against the mafia in the early 1900s. Uh, I mean, them... he he has the most Italian name ever. Why would he <laughs> go against the mafia? That's, that's why. He's one of them do-gooders what, that wants it, to clear the Italian name. What uh. do they call them on uh, on uh, Mindhunter? Blue, blue Flamers? Like people, uh, cops who want to like do all right, and they're like, oh. that's what they call him, you know. So he's a blue flamer I mean, Italian. A, yeah, I guess he yeah. wants to take down his countrymen. I, he could have made a healthy living just turning a blind eye. <laughs> hey, it didn't work out for Bobby Kennedy either. No. So remember that. <laughs> now Lupo couldn't actually be convicted of this murder, so instead he was serving. 30 years for two counts of counterfeiting. Mm-hmm. Now, Lupo and Ponzi would eventually find themselves as kindred spirits because of their shared belief they were serving much too long of a prison sentence for non-violent crimes. I'm glad they could bond over that. <laughs> Lupo, you got the fucking OJ treatment, buddy. I love, I love how he's like, I'm innocent, man. I didn't even kill or hurt anybody. Yeah. I just told people to. I didn't do it. Yeah. No, All they got him. counterfeit. Yeah, you got him for counterfeiting. Yeah. So Lupo asked Ponzi, hey, why don't you be my new cellmate? Want to be cellies? <laughs> and so Ponzi would decide to take him up on his offer. Now, at this point, you may be thinking this makes perfect sense that Ponzi might be able to learn a few tricks of the trade from a former mob boss on how crooked business works and, more importantly, how to be able to get away with it. Sure. But that actually isn't really the case, mostly because Ponzi was not a violent man. All right. Their business methods wouldn't intersect. A little really. different yeah. here. But instead... There was another prisoner who could be viewed as a little bit more of a role model for Ponzi, and that man's name was Charles W. Morse. He founded Morse code. <laughs> he made it? <laughs> Do you know this guy? Did he make Morse code? I, I no, 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 no. He did something I think you'll be much more proud of him for. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, Morse was about as shady of a businessman as you could get. Big fan already? (laughs) Now, initially, Morse had opened up a shipping company with his father in 1877. Now, the shipping company really took off, and with that, so did Morse's willingness for shady deals. In 1897, he expanded the business to New York and decided to dive headfirst in with the corrupt politicians at Tammany Hall. After paying off Mayor Robert Van Wick and Tammany boss Richard, I don't know if this is Crooker or Croker. Croker, it looks yeah, like Croker. It definitely looks like Croker. <laughs> uh, Morse set his eyes on gaining complete control of the new of New York's ice business. Oh, how, how dare he step on Arctic glaciers? <laughs> oh, I was like, when I heard this, I'm like, man, Adam's gonna love this because your your brother used to be in the ice business. Is he still? I, yes, no, sir. Now he's in the O-ring business. Business, but 
The fucking ice business is the biggest scam of all. You're bagging frozen water and selling it to people. It's very true. It costs four cents to produce a $3 bag of ice. Now, at this time, obviously, they did not have refrigerators. So the ice business was a multi-million dollar utility. Mm. Morse formed the Consolidated Ice Company and merged it with American Ice Company and with that, decided to drastically increase the cost of ice. Hell yeah. Which earned him the moniker of the Ice King. Oh, my. <laughs> what a shit. badass. Oh, my. Charles Morse, be my best friend. <laughs> but it didn't take the public too long to catch on to what exactly was going the fuck on here. And after an investigation, he would be shut down. But not after Morse made a sweet 12 Million dollars prop. Hell yeah. Jeez. No jail time. He monopolized the ice game, yes, man. No jail time. Not even a sniff point. of it? No. Did he get a fine? Didn't say so. Oh my God. They'll get him just, in a minute. Just a here. cool, breezy 12 mil. You know what you do with that? You. You fucking escape to Run. another country where they're not going to extradite Run. you. We got little Nostradamus over here. With Morse losing control of the ice market, he decided to try to establish another monopoly. Idiot. Dumb fuck. <laughs> he would purchase about 12 or so New York banks and attempt to take full control of the copper market with a few <laughs> other like-minded monopolists. Because of these greedy men, it caused the financial panic of 1907. The, he was on the cutting edge of it? Yes. The Panic of 1907, also known as the 1907 Bankers Panic, or Knickerbocker Crisis, was a financial <laughs> crisis that took place in the United States over a three-week period starting in mid-October, when the New York Stock Exchange fell almost 50% from its peak the previous mm. year. Panic occurred, as this was during a time of economic recession, and there were numerous runs on the bank and trust companies. The 1907 panic eventually spread throughout the nation when many state and local banks and businesses entered bankruptcy. Yeah, that was because of this guy and the other people, basically. I'm assuming they crashed the market to purchase all those banks. Right. And then gain more control of the copper. So. <laughs> God. Yeah. Ooh, Little, fuck, man. Wow. And that's forward thinking because copper is in everything it now. It is. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, copper now is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. I don't know well, what it is. crackheads raid abandoned houses <laughs> to rip it all out. Absolutely. <clears throat> Someone's got to do it, Jordan. So finally, Morse would be arrested and charged with misappropriating bank funds and sentenced <laughs> to 15 years at the Atlanta Penitentiary. Oh, he could have lived such a sweet life. Oh, wow, we're not done golf. yet. We're not done with this man yet. Now, Morse obviously had no intentions of serving his entire sentence. Hell no. He would hire lawyers that eventually were able to reach the gentleman with more power than anyone in the United States, President William Taft. William Bathtub Taft, huh? <laughs> they were requesting leniency. Please, sir. <laughs> now, while his lawyers were working on that, Morse began to display signs of a mysterious illness that the prison doctors believed only gave him a few more days to live. <laughs> so President Taft signed a presidential pardon on humanitarian grounds. Wow. Now, wow. That, now that Mortz was out of prison, after serving only two years of his 15, he would be miraculously cured of his terminal illness and, <laughs> decide, Jim Jones. <laughs> and decided to take a European vacation. Wow. Oh, yeah. So he's out of there. 
they would soon figure out that Morse had been eating pieces of soap shavings right before his medical exam. Ponzi was serving his time alongside Morse and was able to see this entire saga unfold. What what would that do to him? I mean... I'm sure it would soap? make your tum-tum real upset. Sure. Well, God Maybe knows. Froth. What do you think was in the soap in 19... I think it was uh, 1912 at this point. Like Human ashes. <laughs> like lard and stuff, wasn't like, it? Yeah. That'd be... Po- it was probably fucking arsenic. Strychnine. Now, Ponzi learned an important lesson from all of this. The American legal system is kinder and gentler to men with money. (laughs) If a man is rich, powerful, and well-connected, he can escape prison through the front gate. It's so true, though. Yes, it is. It's still to this day. It's so fucking true. I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, even now. Buy your way out. Well, I'll tell you what. If I'm going to prison, boys, I'm going to start eating myself. Definitely. <laughs> for Listen, I'm dying. It's the only I, way to go. If I ever go to jail for anything, guess what? Your boy's going to be in there for full sentence because <laughs> I'm not a rich man. Yeah. Can you write to Taft? Can you write him a letter asking yeah. uh, for forgiveness? I mean, I can. It's not going to do any good because he's dead. No, like, write you know to what? Taft. <laughs> Put it on his grave. Maybe I'll answer you. Either way, not long after Mo- Morse was released from prison... Ponzi would finish his two-year sentence, plus a month added on for being unable to pay the $500 fine. Wow. <laughs> what if he was able to pay, but he just didn't want to? He's like, I'll do the extra month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, what the fuck? What are you going to lose? Yeah. After his release, Ponzi decided he needed to get the hell out of Atlanta, so he headed for Birmingham, Alabama. Hell That's right yeah. next door, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it that close? Yeah. I've never been to Atlanta, so I don't know. Yeah, I know you can to go Atlanta? to Atlanta. No, I've never been to Atlanta. I need it. Really? It's a. It's on the what a bucket list, I guess. But. Talladega Speedway is sixty minutes outside of Atlanta. I'll tell you that much. Mm. And I had a homeless guy try to sell me socks in Atlanta. <laughs> awesome. Wait, you didn't buy them? Uh, no, it what was a. It was a church youth group trip. Ah, we were going okay. down to Orlando. Devil went down to Georgia. We stopped at a Taco Bell to eat in Atlanta, and all of us walked. There. I was like, "Y'all want to buy some socks? I got them. <laughs> you know, get a pair for like two bucks." And I was not, like, "No." <laughs> not many. Not many people know that crackhead socks are very well. They 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 don't wear out. They They're so comfortable. Warm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So while in Birmingham, Ponzi met up with a gentleman he had known during the early year, earlier years of his travels. Ponzi would come to learn that his friend had actually found something he was making a fortune off of. Mm-hmm. And that was by helping minors file false medical claims. Now that's minors, <clears throat> is that with it's a like chink, a chink, chink, chink? Okay, yes, gotcha. Yes. They're getting that coal or that gold. <laughs> right, do gotcha. You ha- do you have one of these guys where you work, Jordan? I do not. You don't <laughs> okay. have a minor on staff? No, we don't. Like a guy who helps you write up false medical oh. claims? <laughs> no. <laughs> We're a legitimate company. Okay. Are you trying to say 1900s mining companies weren't legit companies? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I'll say that for them. What are they going to do? Come and, like, Hmm. sue me for slander? They're all dead, Cody. (laughs) So, if a miner just so happened to get hit on the head by a small piece of coal, you better believe it was a goddamn near-death cave-in. Right. Oh, yeah. Now, Ponzi was considering making money with his friend this way, but decided, you know what? I just got out of prison. Maybe this wouldn't be the best idea right now. That's not a good look. (laughs) He was 30 years old at this point. Did he really want to spend even more time in prison? No. No. 
So Ponzi decided to travel to Blockton, Alabama, which was an Appalachian Appalachian mining town. Appalachian. Appalachian mining town that had been formed after the Civil War. Around this time, in Alabama at least, coal was considered to be worth more than gold. Texas tea, my friend. That's that black gold. So this is what the Beverly Hillbilly? No, wait, they found oil. Yeah, he shotgunned a hole and apparently. Oil oh wait, shot I said oil it. a mil. I was talking about oil the whole time, but it was coal. <laughs> it was coal. Alabama, I, I don't know gold. I guess roll tide nuggets. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so boom towns like Blockton, Scratch Ankle. What? <laughs> apparently, there's a town called Scratch Ankle. Uh, I like this one, Colinia. And Marvel, I I don't know, weird. Hmm. Oh, Jesus. So they had all sprouted up from mining. What made this more beneficial to Ponzi is these towns were plumb full of Italian immigrants. Dummies looking to work and make an easy buck. (laughs) Yep. I wouldn't, like in... Give me your coal, I'll give you the mad man. Oh, like, yes. remember, remember in Canada, that's what jobs they were doing, mining jobs. That's so right. I guess they liked to mine. Maybe that's just the uh, back-breaking labor that they were, quote-unquote, qualified do. for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like Adam said, like, maybe that's all they could do. That's true, I guess. So Ponzi took up a job as a translator, part-time bookkeeper, an occasional nurse for the injured miners. I don't know. Nice. I, well, I know it's nice, but it's like, don't you need some sort of training to be an occasional nurse? Hey, in you the need civil- twenty cc's of salami <laughs> to fix that gash. In the Civil War, people were occasional surgeons. So true. listen, the so- the true. times call for whatever they need. <laughs> If someone's, like, knocked out, they just put garlic up his nose to wake him up. (laughs) Italian smelling salts, boy. (laughs) So Ponzi always said Blockton kind of reminded him of being back in his hometown in Italy, which makes sense with all the Italians around. But Ponzi still had that nagging itch to accomplish the American dream and become rich beyond belief. Hell yeah. yeah. But... How was he going to accomplish that in a mining town in Alabama? So he thought back to how his prison mate Morse had gotten rich and came up with a brilliant plan. And that was to become the czar of light and water for these small towns. Oh, he's so smart. He's so smart. He is just like goddamn Soapy. Get yes. in touch with the fucking the roads or the electricity yep. or the water. Become indispensable in the town. Um, so his his plan was to ask for support from the local community to set up a small power plant that would supply electricity to the towns and a water pump that would operate from a nearby creek. You can yes. have water run into your house and you can have one of them flameless candles burning <laughs> in your entryway. <laughs> I wonder if that's literally what they said. You guys want f- flameless candles? They called them that. They did. Really? Yes. Wow. I thought it was cool when they, the British still call them torches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so cool. So Ponzi would regulate the water and power rates while only taking a reasonable amount of profit for himself. <laughs> so he outlined a plan, and the locals would purchase stock to help finance the entire operation and get all the necessary components to build everything. Mm. And honestly, they were all for the idea, but then... Something happened, Ponzi said. Something always happens. Something so entirely unexpected that it always catches me unaware. 
like a flower pot that lands on a man's head from a three-story window. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like some shit you'd hear on a cartoon. Yeah. Isn't that where the, you always see that? The flower plot landing and there's a little flower on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it lets us like growing on his head. Then. Yeah. yeah. I've, that reminds me, I was listening to the uh, last podcast, uh, Richard Kuklinski again recently. Yeah. That Looney Tunes spot is, uh, part makes me laugh every fucking time. That's a great series. <laughs> now, what exactly happened to Ponzi was a woman named Pearl Gossett. Yeah, something always happens. And this <laughs> time, it's a Pearl. Pearl was a nurse at the mining company-owned hospital. In October of 1912, she was cooking a meal for the patients when the gasoline stove burst into flames, severely burning her left arm, shoulder, and breast. Now, Ponzi had worked with Pearl on occasion and was friendly with Dr. Thomas, who was treating Pearl. Ponzi asked the doctor, How's the Pearl? Dr. Thomas replied, Her condition is very serious, almost desperate. Gangrene is setting in. Oh, Jesus. Ponzi then asked the doctor if there was anything he could do to help Pearl. Skin grafting, perhaps. I wanted to try it, but can't find anybody who will give up as little as an inch of his skin for her. <laughs> now, when Ponzi found out she could lose her arm if she didn't get the skin graft, he said, It made my blood sizzle. It did not seem fair that a young girl like Pearl should be permitted to die such a horrible death. The girl had been so kind to her patients, and that it seems inconceivable that she should meet with such ingratiation. To think that any person could be so selfish, so cowardly, (laughs) as to refuse a mere inch of his own skin to save a human life. (sighs) So Ponzi then asked the doctor, How many inches of a skin do you need (laughs) altogether? Forty or fifty, I guess, but I can't even find ten in a community of two thousand or more people. You're all wrong, Doctor. You have found them. I will give you all of the skin you need. You? You will give the whole of it? Yes, Doctor. I will. When do you want me? We cannot put the thing off for very long. But I don't want to hurry you either. You might want to prepare for it. Sort of brace up. When can you be ready? I am ready now. (laughs) All right, come along. Ooh, so the doctor would remove 72 square inches of skin from oh. Ponzi's thighs. Oh. Holy fuck. Oof, that's a lot of skin. After this, Ponzi would have to spend the next few weeks recovering in the hospital. Then Dr. Thomas paid him another visit. He needed even more skin. No. <laughs> <sighs> so Ponzi agreed to give him the skin needed. The doctor would remove an additional... 50 square inches from his back. So he was flayed for yeah, the most part. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking skin. Dr. Ramsey Bolton here <laughs> was just fucking flaying him. Jesus. Like, uh, he, didn't he just say he didn't need that much skin? No, he said 40 or 50 inches, <laughs> which is a lot of yeah. skin. And now he's taking 72 plus 50. He has 125 square inches of skin. <laughs> I think he's making a Halloween costume. <laughs> Listen, I, I think half of this is going to be human chitlins. <laughs> oh, gross. I just envision them using like literally a cheese grater and just like scraping <laughs> it off of there. <laughs> well, no, that, would, that wouldn't work. You'd yeah. have to use like a cheese slicer. Just yeah. Yeah. Slicer on there. He used a mandolin just to wipe get, his leg up and down. Oh, <laughs> get get nice little uh, strips of skin. Fuck me. <laughs> oh god. 
So, so after this surgery, it would take Ponzi three months of being in the hospital to finally recover and would forever leave patches of scar tissue all over his thighs and his back. Yes. I mean, I will say it is pretty, like, honorable of him oh, to do yes. that. Considering what he does later in life, this is very admirable Damn. of him. He must have loved Pearl. Right? Well, I don't know. She didn't necessarily love him, I guess. Well, I mean, not that way, but he's a nice fellow. <laughs> yeah. Now, while Pearl would have permanent scarring all over her body for the rest of her life, she would at least make a full recovery, keep her arm and all that. Good. Ponzi's generosity would earn him a little press in the local newspaper. Ponzi was actually so proud of this, he actually mailed the newspaper article to his old boss at the Atlanta prison, A.C. Adderholm. Aw, Jesus. That is a model prisoner right yeah. there. Look at, right. What, look at what, see, yeah, and then A.C. can hang that in his <laughs> office, and anytime somebody visits, it's like, look, this bastard graduated from my prison. <laughs> the paper also recommended Ponzi should receive a medal and reward from the Carnegie Hero Award. But sadly, it would never gain enough steam to get Ponzi said reward. Oh, I don't think that reward matters. He's about to have 8.5 million U.S. dollars. <laughs> and Carnegie's a shithead. That's anyway. what I was just going to say. Why did they have a Carnegie hero award when he was such a fucking asshole? Yeah, Andrew Carnegie, not a hero. <laughs> Wasn't he the one who, like, imprisoned his workers and then made them use, like, Carnegie dollars to pay for their shit? Yes. That was him. What an asshole. He had a billion dollars, though. Did he? Damn. Yeah. yeah. To make matters worse, by the time he had finally recovered from the surgery, the water and electricity had already been set up in oh, the town. yeah. I suppose, right? Three Ooh. months in the hospital. Yeah. Electricity is a hot commodity <laughs> in the early 1900s. You know, I, just imagine, like, if he would have set that up, maybe all the shit later in life, he wouldn't have even gotten involved in any of that yep. at all. Yeah. So. He, he would have made a mint if he would have been... Providing Alabama and Atlanta with electricity and I'm water. Ca- I'm very curious if he would have actually had reasonable rates or not. No, <laughs> he would have no. just jacked him up. No, he would have. He, we would have heard about 30 years later. This story would have ended with him being arrested for electricity <laughs> monopoly. <laughs> or they could have a statue of Nick Saban and then a statue of Ponzi right ah, next to him. You never know. High. <laughs> yes. So Ponzi would need to find another way to make it rich. After a few more months, he would finally depart from Blockton and head into Florida, basically traveling from town to town, doing side jobs, mostly involving <laughs> painting signs, houses, and anything else someone wanted to have painted. <laughs> so he was a painter. Basically, yeah. <laughs> He's making an honest buck, man. Hell yeah. I, I, just imagine an Italian man in overalls with that hat on, painting everything. I don't know why. It just seems so stereotypical. It's like an assistant chapel. <laughs> yes. It's like Albert Fisk. Wasn't he Fish. a painter? Fish. Fish. Oh, yeah, Fisk. Yeah. Who's Fisk? Oh, uh, uh, Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> Wilson Fisk. <laughs> He would land a little bit more of a steady gig painting aboard the SS Tarpon as as it cruised up and down the Gulf Coast. But when Ponzi got into an argument with the ship's captain, William Burroughs, over pay, he was removed from the ship and dropped off at Mo- Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> Don't argue with the captain. <laughs> Apparently this captain had a very bad temper, too. He wasn't a nice fella. Now, Mobile, he continued painting as a side gig here for a while until he took notice of a help-wanted ad in the newspaper 
Librarian Wanted at Medical College, mm-hmm. which was offering $30 a month pay. And I looked this up. Um, that would be $769.62 a month. Now. Okay. So well, that's not good. That is definitely not good at all. That's really bad. Now, while this job didn't pay the greatest, you were offered food and lodging included with employment. Okay. Right. So it's not too bad, I, I guess. mean... That's a pretty good gig, isn't it? Even nowadays, man. What should lodging be? Uh, Half of your income, right? Sounds about right. So, so really, he's making like fourteen hundred a month. Then, I mean, if they're paying for your lodging and food, basically that money is yours. Yeah, that's your profit. It's spending money. Yeah, Uh, you know what? This is kind of a good gig. Actually, (laughs) he he can get himself a Model T at this time, probably. (laughs) No, 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 no. He's getting only the nice, the, the local mobile. All right, right, oh, right. Oh, yes, the local mobile. <laughs> the stupid $12 million limo or whatever. <laughs> so Ponzi would have his room in the cor- campus dorm, which at first was great for him. There was only one problem. Those pesky college kids are known for pulling pranks, right. and having his room located within the dorms, he was easy prey for them. Panty raids. <laughs> That's why you keep a baseball bat next to your bed. He should have learned that. Yeah. One night in particular, the lights had been knocked out due to a storm, so some of the medical students thought it would be funny to carry an embalmed corpse into Ponzi's room and tuck it into his bed. No, that's not funny. (laughs) That's kind of funny. That's not funny. Don't (laughs) you fucking... Doesn't he have a lock on his door? I don't know. Please, for God's sakes, don't. Don't ever bring a corpse into my room. Look, I, we've talked about it before. Medical people have a very dark sense of humor. Yeah, they're so. disgusting. That They look at us all uh. like we're just meat people. We're all just meat people. How scared would you be if you woke up with an embalmed the corpse most. in your bed? The most scared, Cody. What if it was Big Spoon? Would you still be upset about no, it? No, then I'd be all right. I'd be pretty hard. I mean, listen, I'd probably kill myself to forget that memory. That's really, it's a toughie. Ponzi later said this. I laid him on the floor of my room. We both slept peacefully, but I woke up first. Ah, Ponzi. See, he's got a positive (laughs) attitude about it. Fuck you, Ponzi. (laughs) So Ponzi decided to move out of the dorms and into a boarding house owned by Mrs. T.C. White, who was actually very fond of Ponzi and always remembered his endless fantasies of becoming rich. (laughs) But this living arrangement was not to last because Ponzi kept inviting over girls to the house, but not for dates. He was running a jewelry sales business out of his room. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, so Mrs. White would rather him. This is the finest cubic zirconia. (laughs) He would rather him banging chicks in his room than selling them jewelry. Basically, Mrs. White told him that she couldn't be running his business out of her home. No. So he decided to move into a new room owned by the college caretaker, Gus Carlson. Now, Carlson's daughter would later recall hearing Ponzi boasting about he how he would get his picture in the newspaper one day. Mm. She said, when you've been hanged, probably, oh. Ponzi said, 
Either that or I will be a millionaire. (laughs) I like her. She's snarky. She's got it. (laughs) Did they put hanged people in the paper? (laughs) That's what I want to know. At this time, probably. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't give a shit. Like, just a picture of someone who's been hanged? (laughs) This one's got Like, tongue hanging out and all that. (laughs) Yeah. I have this book called... Uh, early crime in Minnesota. Ooh. And yeah, they would just put dead bodies in the paper, like full of bullet holes, blood and brains <laughs> everywhere. Jesus. We need to bring that back. Why not? Yeah. Now you gotta no. go to like, press. Get on it. Now you gotta go to like gore.com and all that shit. Motherless rotten. Mother- I think it was after Viet. I think it was Vietnam that put a stop to that. Ah, uh, yeah, I could see that. It was uh, very grotesque. Well, listen, I'm I'm putting a call out to the Pioneer Press to bring it back. Bring you, back body. You, you can put the goddamn Star Tribune out of business with yeah. that. I've had enough of the Star Tribune. <laughs> Tbh. So Ponzi also became good friends with Gus Carlson Jr. Gus Jr would later say he remembers Ponzi spending all of his money on either girls or his friends. Mm. He would appear, he apparently would also buy ice cream for all of the children who were playing on the campus grounds occasionally. While it sounds like Ponzi is actually enjoying his time here, secretly there was trouble brewing at the college. Oh, oh no. <sighs> trouble just follows this fucking guy, He's man. He's in Alabama. There is always a trouble. <laughs> Nick Saban's coming for his job. Oh, Hold on, right. I think it was Bear... What the Barry hell is Barry Santino? <laughs> Barry Sotero is not born yet. Well, he is a time traveler. So. No, who is the first Alabama coach? Bear something. And he's, he won like a shitload no of... No one cares. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> someone salty about Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> So Ponzi came to find out that doctors in Birmingham were trying to uproot the college in Mobile, which would have severely affected all of those who worked in Mobile, which Ponzi had grown very fond of at this point. So Ponzi would intercept a letter that was being mailed to Birmingham, the Birmingham doctors from someone who was betraying his co-workers in Mobile. So Ponzi took the letter to the dean of the college, obviously hoping the dean would get rid of said Benedict Arnold. Certainly. Well, the dean didn't take too kindly to the librarian tampering with the mail. It was a federal offense. (laughs) So he decided to completely remove Ponzi's job position altogether. Ponzi was sad and said, I should have known it wouldn't last. It would have interrupted a long circle of bad breaks. No. <laughs> uh, you know what? Ecclesi is honest about it. Yeah. He's like, I've fucked up so much. <laughs> so Ponzi left Mobile and headed for New Orleans just in time to enjoy, enjoy the large hurricane that happened on September 1915. Yeah. But, Ooh, destruction! <laughs> but... The hurricane did have a positive side. The storm did so much damage, Ponzi found plenty of painting jobs to earn some money. Wow, I actually, mean, that you is... You can't cool. hate on that. Hey, they have, what, hail chasers in the dent business yeah. and stuff, so... That's what Ed went down to do, I think. Is that what he did? I mean, yeah. I could see he'd make a lot of money. After hanging around New Orleans for a while earning money, he decided to head for Wichita Falls, Texas. Now, Ooh. Ponzi... We learned that Wichita Falls was essentially owned and ran by two brothers, Joseph Kemp and Frank Kell, who were the owners of Wichita Falls Motor Company, whose slogan was, 
The sun never sets on a Wichita truck. <laughs> I think Ooh. it does, sir. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but Can I'm pretty sure it does. I've never heard of a Wichita truck. Me neither. I've literally never heard of that. While here, Ponzi would take a $16 a week job as a clerk in the foreign sales department for the Wichita Falls Motor Company. That's a come up. That's pretty much double what he was making at uh, it's, it's good money. For, th- for this point, I don't think it's that bad of money. Yeah. Well, now, why his job here in particular is so important is because he would learn all about foreign currencies and exchange rates, shipping routes, customs tariffs, Posted postal and telegraph fees, which he will use in the not so distant future when he finally comes up with his million dollar idea. Boner pills. <laughs> Is that a million dollar idea? Yes, I think it's a billion dollar idea. <laughs> yes. Well, now they're hurting probably because they have uh, what is it, blue tablet chewables? Oh, bluechew.com? Yeah, bluebonerpills.com. Luckily, I don't listen to any podcast that advertise that, <laughs> so I'm pretty happy. You know K-Fan advertises that now? Are Dude, you kidding me? Not they kidding. do all the time. Wow. I mean, if you if you suffer from ED, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. I mean, no. you know. Get the help you need. Yeah, exactly. So Ponzi would work here for a while until news came in December of 1916 that Italy was seeking Italian immigrants for the Great War. Mm-hmm. Now, Ponzi, being a man that loved his country, couldn't turn down serving alongside his countrymen. So he immediately headed back to New York and boarded a steamer headed for Italy. Now, all juiced up with patriotic frenzy, nothing was going to stop our boy Ponzi, except when he found out from the local consul's office that the Italian government wasn't going to pay reservist fares or expenses for the trip back to Italy. Uh, that's bullshit. I mean, they should. Unless they just don't want them there. I mean, maybe they just assumed... How bad was Italy at this point, like, financially? Like, were they really bad? Were they as bad as France? Were they... Well, France wasn't that bad. I thought in World War One they were, like, the worst affected. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got hit hard. And that's what I mean. Like, was Italy... But that's where di- they're heading back to fight the war right now. That's what I mean. Like, was Italy really, really broke at this time? Mm. Because of fighting in the war? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, no, not yet. Not yet. So they should have been able to pay. Yeah, exactly. If they want them back. Yeah. Well, anyway, Ponzi said, never mind. It probably jumped off the steamer. Now stuck in New York. Ponzi plund- plundered the wanted ads and stumbled upon a job listing for a company called J.R. Poole, which needed a clerk for its import-export business. Oh, perfect. He knows all about it. He loves this shit. He knows all the currencies. He knows everything. It was a job seemingly made for Ponzi, but it was located in Boston, mm. the city where Ponzi's adventure all started. He had a, hey, he had a bad run get there. back there. <laughs> he had a bad run there. <clears throat> So Ponzi accepted the job as a clerk and stenographer offering $16 a week pay. That's the same as he was making. Now, perhaps because of the living expenses that came with living in Boston, the $16 a week pay didn't quite stretch as far as it did in Wichita Falls. Sure. 
Ponzi, you know, uh, Ponzi obviously was a bit disappointed with the pay, but was thinking more long term. He believed the import export business would benefit him in the future. Plus, the company was expanding fast and were known for offering their employees increases in pay. So after just a few months, which, which our job was known for that. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happening again. No. So after just a few months. Ponzi's pay would increase from $16 a week to $25 a week. Fifty. Uh, that's a 50% increase in pay. That's yeah. not bad at all. Fuck, yeah. But Ponzi claimed he was still struggling. He said, By starving on day and eating a little less the next one, <laughs> we employees always managed, more or less, to keep handsomely in debt. <laughs> so fucking true, though. Uh, Let's just keep everybody in debt. <laughs> But Ponzi's luck was finally about to change in his favor. On Memorial Day weekend, he attended a Boston Pops concert Hell yeah. <laughs> with his landlady, Myrtle Lombard. <laughs> I wish I could go to a fucking Boston Pops concert with my landlady. <laughs> Ooh, your mom? <laughs> yes. Mom, could we go to a Boston Pops concert, please? Well, we'd have to get fucking plane tickets, Cody. <laughs> Now, Ponzi considered himself a bit of an aficionado of music because he played the mandolin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm an aficionado of music because I play the bass. Yeah. Can you play the mandolin, Jordan? Fuck no. That's a hard <laughs> instrument. It, it really is. That's an old world instrument. It, it's like a tiny banjo, basically. Isn't that what the bards used to play? Well, they played a lute. Oh. Toss a coin to your witcher. If we ever go into a post-apocalyptic world, Jordan, you're totally going to be the town crier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, after the concert was over, they were just hanging out, and Ponzi took notice of a girl who really caught his eye. Hey, baby. She was four foot eleven, with rounded curves, dressed in the latest fashion, had long brown hair and dark eyes, absolutely perfect in Ponzi's eyes. Now, at this point, Ponzi was just staring at her, even though she was clearly attending the concert with another gentleman. Myrtle then took notice of what Ponzi was so awestruck by. Her tits. <laughs> nice jug, lady. Myrtle said to Ponzi, Can you want to motorboat me? <laughs> <laughs> Why, there is Rose. I want you to meet her, Mr. Ponzi. She is one of my pupils. <laughs> So Myrtle introduced him to 21-year-old Rose Neko. Ponzi and Rose exchanged formalities and flirted a little bit until their train arrived. So Rose and her date boarded the train with Ponzi and Myrtle falling right behind them, ending up sitting just a few seats behind Rose. Apparently... Ponzi spent the entire 20-minute ride staring at the back of Rose's head. <laughs> Ponzi said, Time, space, the world, and everything else around me except that girl had ceased to exist. Aww. She's got the sexiest back of a head I've ever seen in my life. God, there's not even a cowlick to be seen. <laughs> like, when you're reading this book about this section... He sounds like such a creep because he's just staring at Ugh. her. Like, quit staring yeah, at that, her. That's literally what I do to Amy every night. I just look at her. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God, I 
I got lucky. <laughs> I hope you tell her that and she's not just sleeping. Yeah, no, she knows. <laughs> okay. When Ponzi and Myrtle finally got home, Myrtle asked him about Rose and Ponzi told her, I think she is wonderful. I am going to marry her. <laughs> Why, Mr. Ponzi, you must be crazy. <laughs> I fuck <are> you. <laughs> <laughs> then he backhanded her. Shut up. I'm trying to jerk off to my future wife here. <laughs> should have just married his landlord. They sound like a fun couple. Yeah, Myrtle's pretty cool. <laughs> so a few days later, Ponzi called up Rose asking if she wanted to go to a moving picture show with Ooh. him. <laughs> While apparently is generally considered improper etiquette to ask a girl on a date without first asking her father, Rose found something enduring about much older Ponzi and agreed to go anyway. Nice. This must be that must be an Italian thing. I'm assuming. I don't. I, don't I think know, it's just it? an old timey thing. Old timey thing. Okay. Now that night, apparently, Ponzi openly told Rose he was going to marry her. Oh shit! <laughs> Bold. Which Rose just, of course, laughed off. But Ponzi wasn't kidding. <laughs> Nearly every day, Ponzi would send Rose either a soda or flowers to her mm. at work. Can you imagine? You send someone a fucking diet Pepsi now at work. That's not very romantic. No. <laughs> but if somebody wanted to Uber Eats me some food every day, mm. I'd be all right. That's the way to your, uh, your genitals. That's huh? how you'll get them. <laughs> <laughs> he continued to take her to the movies or a symphony. If she told him she couldn't go out with him because she was hanging out at Nantas Nantasket Beach with her nieces and nephews, he would just show up completely unannounced and hang out with them. <laughs> his creeper status. No, that's fine. <laughs> he would tell her about his boyhood in Italy and his adventures throughout America and Canada. When she asked what exactly he had been doing during his time in North America, he vaguely claimed to be involved with investigations. <laughs> Rose said, At times he would suggest mysteriously that he had been working on behalf of the Italian government. <laughs> He's a spy now. Wow. Yeah, he was involved with investigations against him. Technically, he's not lying. <laughs> I mean, it's Great Depression burn notice. <laughs> On top of Rose, Ponzi had another stroke of luck. His immediate supervisor had passed away. Oh, so, so Ponzi was, died. <laughs> so Ponzi was promoted to that position, oh, nice. which came with a pay raise to $50 a week. Holy Everybody fuck. gets a broccoli with their Alfredo. <laughs> I'm glad my manager's dead and get his job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the promotion, he decided it was time to buy a ring. Mm. Now, he wanted to buy her a Tiffany setting with a full carat stone, mm. but that would have costed several hundred dollars, which he could not afford. Man, I wish that shit still only cost several hundred dollars. Ooh, how much is that bad boy now? So what he ended up buying basically amounted to a diamond chip, but Rose was not obsessed with wealth or vanity like Ponzi was, so when he proposed to her, she gladly accepted. Aww. Now, Ponzi had completely neglected to mention his time in prison because it was so shameful and embarrassing to him. I don't blame him. I mean, you can't, really. During their engagement, Ponzi's mother insisted Rose know the truth before marrying her son. That reminds mom. me of 90 Day Fiance in I, a sense. <laughs> I mean, that is a good mom, truly, though. Yeah. 
So his mother mailed Rose a letter detailing everything that Ponzi had been involved with. And oddly enough, Rose was not put off by this. In fact, she loved him more because of the fact that he had stood up for the Zerosi family after the bank collapse, that he had attempted to help Italian immigrants on the train, and definitely the fact that he had donated skin for Pearl. I mean, on paper, he is a stand-up guy. He's a fuck magnet. On, on, like, I, like, he's a case of, like, he would make my panties wet if I was a girl. <laughs> I mean, right now, he hasn't done anything really too bad besides being kind of pompous all he's done is donate 150 inches of skin (laughs) and be a rad ass dude that stands up for people after bank collapse yeah i mean that's why i said in the first episode i think he wanted to get rich and he got in way over his head and then now he looks like the evilest motherfucker in the world so i can see it we'll get there on part three now, Rose would never tell Ponzi that she know the, knew the truth because she feared it might hurt his ego and confidence. Just like when Alfred mm. reads the letter from <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal, but burns uh, it instead of letting Bruce uh, read it. I always was wondering what was in that. Uh, basically, I'm sorry, we can't be together. Maybe there will be hope one day. Oh, yeah. No, she said there will never be hope. Mm. Be- even if he stops being the Batman. Mm, yeah. Well, it's probably good he didn't read that then. <laughs> Might be. So either way, on February 4th, 1918, Marie Necco and Charles Ponzi would be married in the basement of the St. Anthony Church in the heart of Somerville's Italian district. The newlyweds would move into a five-bedroom apartment near Tufts Fuck. College. This seems a, like a big fucking apartment, I right? I was just about to say that. Seems unreasonable. <laughs> That's a big house. There's two of house. them. I don't know. There's Ma- two of them. Maybe like the Italian neighborhood was kind of like cheap for rent. I don't know. Um, I wonder if Somerville's still there. I think Somerville it's, is still there. Is it still yes. there? Somerville, Massachusetts. Do you, is it is it like an Italian district? I wonder still. That I don't know, but it I do know is. it was going to be named after somebody else. But right on the day they were voting for it. They found out that he had a very sordid past, so they chose Somerville instead. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Nothing wrong with that. So Ponzi couldn't be happier at this point. He was known to rush home after a day at J.R. Poole just so he could spend time with Rose. He wanted to ensure they never spent a night apart. I love it. Rose had quit working after they were married, so money was a little tight, but they always made sure to at least go out to dinner and the theater once a week. Ponzi would occasionally serenade Rose at night with his mandolin. I wish you would do this for Amy Jordan. Uh, with your bass. Serena- yes, serenade with your bass. A lot of this sounds like us. Like, I never want to spend a night apart from her. Okay, do you guys go to dinner and the theater once a week? Well, we go to dinner, but not theater at least once catch, a week. Catch at least one play a week, please. Have you ever been to a movie with her? Oh, yeah. When? Like, when? A couple weeks ago, we went and saw Frozen 2. Why? That's for children. Uh, I'm sorry, Frozen 2 was fucking great. Okay, move on, Cody. I don't want to talk about this. Well, I was half to, half expecting him to say they went and saw the new Men in Black movie. Here which comes is like, Men in Black. Which is like, I've heard complete dog Galaxy shit. Defenders. There's a new one? 
Yeah, there's a new yeah. it's like international or something. I thought that was on Comcast already. <laughs> the I one with know. Will with uh Thor and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. on Comcast is it, already. Is it really? Oof, yeah. that's not great. I mean we and we bought the lighthouse on Amazon. Hmm. I don't know what that is. With Willem Dafoe and Oh Harry yeah, Potter. I do know what that is. We'll we'll get to that. <laughs> so anyway, they were a very happy couple, and Rose just wanted to live within their means and raise a happy family. But Ponzi never relented about becoming wealthy and constantly kept trying to come up with ideas of how to accomplish it. Rose would later say sometimes she would grow frustrated with Ponzi because he was so obsessed with one of his main hobbies, which was his stamp collection. <laughs> sometimes he would just sit and look through all the different stamps that he had collected. Weird. Which kind of makes sense because his father was a postman. Oh. Some also speculate that he took particular interest in foreign stamps because of a man named Roberto de Messe. Now, Roberto was the manager of the foreign banking department at Fidelity Trust Company, which I think is still around, right? Yeah, I think Fidelity. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. So he and Ponzi had previously engaged in a conversation about currency fluctuations caused by the Great War. World War I for the layman. Yes, which got Ponzi's mind churning on just how he could potentially manipulate said currency values to earn a boat boatload of cold, hard cash. <laughs> and after he jumps through just a few more hurdles, he will accomplish that wealth he has wanted for so long... And we'll get to that in part three. Oh, that's there you go. Oh, so, cliffhanger. Oh, Cody, you're a cock tease. I know. It's, you're going to learn a lot about foreign currencies and stamps and all that. Oh, business, don't, so. don't make oh. our audience beg for us to come back. <laughs> I'm going to stamp collecting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like stamp collecting is a dead meme. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like I can see during this time, maybe you're just like, you want to get hard one night and just look at your stamp collections? Yeah. I don't know. Come like, all over oh, look at that Harriet Tubman. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you think... I wonder what the World War One stamps look like. I bet they're kind of cool, right? Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Mm. Probably pretty racist, though. Oh, yeah. I, I bet imagine. their comedy ones were, <laughs> were pretty racist. Oh, I can imagine so. Uh, shit, Cody. Fantastic. That's part two. Uh, we're going to... Tune back into this con man mofo next yeah. week. God even damn though, right. Even though right now, he's not that much of a mofo. No. He's just a nice guy. I can promise you, it it takes a 180 very quick. All right, so it turns, ar- turns her around. Mm. All right, well, that's great. And if you think it was great, you can email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. We have a Patreon that is www.patreon.com slash Podcast. If you go to our Patreon, Cody, the the prints, the Faustus prints are closed, over and done with. Mm-hmm. We're now prepping next month's print. Technically, we got technically we got three more days. There's three more or two more days when you hear this. Okay, so there are two more days to sign up before oh. we close Faustus prints. That is at the fifteen dollar level at Pod at patreon.com <laughs> slash bumblebutt podcast. Patreon.com slash bumblebutt podcast. Hmm. Also, now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody, the iTunes reviews. 
Yeah, we uh, it's been a little slow for us over the last few weeks, but we did get one brand new one. Yeah, written five star, which You're is amazing. Oh, I'm not shit. kidding. This is uh, I think it's Draken seventy seven, Draken seventy seven. I hope so because that's a great game. <laughs> and uh, the title is just Stiglitz. <laughs> oh, Stiglitz, 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 Stiglitz. Hold on, it says my older brother Stiglitz sent me. You guys are the greatest. All right, thank you, Stiglitz's tiny <laughs> yes. little brother. Thank you, I Stiglitz Junior. <laughs> so the yeah, rest of you. you who haven't done it. The threat stays. And tell your brothers. Our number one hell yeah, man. I love it. Uh, yeah, the best man. <laughs> the real man, the best man, Stiglitz. <laughs> uh, that's great. Also, Cody, I heard we have a new Patreon. Let's hear about it. Yeah, um, our newest patron is Courtney Cameron. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Courtney. She joined up for the Bowling for Staten, so she will be enjoying oh, yeah. some uh, a very nice print and some stickers. So I will get those out uh, this week. So Thank you, Courtney. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to all of our Patreons for your support already. And, all right, let's get out of your show, gentlemen. Let's do it. I think that's going to do it for all of us here at the Bubble Bubble Podcast. I've been Adam. Thank you very much. That has been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. That has been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. Have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Woo! (laughs) Yeah.